Hey man, I'm I'm a little tired today. Uh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. I had a little bit of sparkling water, tangerine mango flavored. So a little, a little bit of the burpees too. <laughs> Steffi knows as well. But we're here. Welcome to the Just Talking Podcast. Who I am. Right? I'm, I'm talking on. Just, just for those in the back that can't comprehend where you guys came to. From? Otter? I don't know. Hey, man. How y'all doing? Ah, uh, yeah, getting ready for tax season? Tax season? Tax season? Ah, uh, you've been getting your documents in order? You've been crossing your T's, dotting your I's, so you can get that mm, mm refund. And if you're not, just trying to minimize how much you got to pay. I understand that. I understand that. Whew. We still, we got like two real topics. Man, I won't lie. I feel like, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn. Though this is not even going to be a real time, but we're going to have a little bit of a sidebar, right? We're going to have two sidebars. But this first one is like, it's just like, it feels like niggas just like, like, it's one thing to try and have a conversation. And I'm not even going to go deep into this joint. It's not, it's really not about no friends. It's, it's really about adults. And the, the idea that adults really, really be fucking, like certain adults really be fucking trying to push it. And not even family members either. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to cast no aspersions. All right. But like the, the idea that these niggas just want to lord over some people and it's just disgusting me because you, especially if you sound dumb when you're doing that, it's just going to piss me off even more. All right. All right. Let, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, all right, hypothetically speaking, all right, I have a full overnight shift, all right, a real overnight shift, mind you, all right, and then there's somebody else that doesn't have a full overnight shift, all right, I wouldn't even call it overnight, all right, what is that one Bane line, shit, it's, um, you were... You were, I was born in the darkness. You simply adopted it type shit. And then it gets off at 1.30 a.m. That's not, that's not real. Get the fuck out of my face, bro. You're not, you're not even, you're not overnight. You just happen to be working a little bit at night. You get home, you get home at that time, piss off. Don't talk to me about, don't talk to me about that shit. Don't talk to me about that shit. And you choose to sleep late. You choose to sleep in the morning. Are you going to bitch about somebody else making noise for at most 10 minutes because the walls for the bathroom, the walls for a bathroom that is shared, by the way, is next to the wall for your room? Go piss off. Nigga, go and take your privilege because you're not paying, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, and they get paying basically the same amount 
is what's being paid for where I'm at right now. And then it gets double the size in a in a fucking bathroom in his room. More than his room is more than double my size. His closet, his closet is a walk-in, basically. But just hypothetically speaking. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro, because niggas, niggas were really trying to do that, spin, and then and then talk crazy to you. Like <laughs> silly shit, dog. <laughs> No, don't talk crazy. You you got all this time to fucking sleep and do all that shit. Don't talk crazy to me. <laughs> know your fucking place. I I I'm especially me. Especially me. But again, we're moving past that. Now another like smaller, lighty, lighthearted, more tight thing. I've given up social media for the month. Started February first. I have been on my just talking. Instagram, that's the only one I have still logged in for the most part, just because, you know, advertisement. I feel like Instagram, right as of right now, is where a bunch of my the people who watch actually see my stuff and um, listen from, to be completely fair. So it's only right. It's only right if um, I do stuff with it in that sense or not do stuff with it but like eh, I'm able to like maintain that communication with the people who do watch listen funny enough I don't really like push advertise market my shit enough to really gain the most especially I could use I could also like leverage my old account or my actual main IG because I have more followers um, arguably probably more people who interact with my stuff on there. However, I probably won't do that, um, for a little bit now. We'll probably see maybe towards the summer-ish, maybe around that time period. We'll, uh, we'll try and dabble into that. I will try and, um, gravitate towards the more YouTube space. I can't really see it, if I'm being completely honest. Like, in general podcast analytics, YouTube and that is separate. But I would argue that that's probably the best in terms of growth for me. So I'll probably lean towards that. Who knows? Who knows, though? But uh, I don't even think I've asked you guys how you doing. Oh, I won't even lie. For other people, social media is like a bigger thing, I guess. Like me taking a break from social media isn't like, oh, I put too much time into it. Oh, I kind of like I'm too focused on it. I actually, like, I don't post pictures on my IG. My IG is usually main, like, that's for an example. My my main IG is usually only for contact basis is usually, like, talking to people, whatever, seeing their stories, private stories, whatever. Um, My Twitter, I don't even use my main tr- Twitter anymore. I mostly use, like, this my just talking slash Doc Mal Twitter, which is just mainly for trolling and... Like, 
if, if I feel like I just want to like get some a, a short burst out about some a topic that I see. But um, especially when, if I think like there's a bunch of dumb people on the side, but I don't really focus on that. So like that's not a main thing for me. I don't get anything. I'm not. I'm not fucking Elon baited into trying to pay for anything for like that. Like, so it's basically just like another platform. And again, to be completely uh, fair. Like. The re- is, is, I think for me, the reason I don't, um, the reason that I don't see myself per se as somebody who would like be affected by Twitter, I guess that much is is mostly just because like I've always like especially forum type stuff. I'm more of a like two thousands type of internet type guy in a sense. Where I was using forums a lot, and Twitter is basically just another forum page to me. So none of that, especially Twitter, none of that like ever felt feels we real to me or like in existence. Nor do I ever feel like there's certain th- that that portions of it is relevant in my own life um i remember i was talking to my friend recently and i was all like if you look at a lot of these like accounts or like thing youtubers a lot of these people who are saying the most controversial say things saying the like dumbest stuff saying things that don't even seem like they should be reality you also have to keep in mind where they are a majority of them miami just that general florida area which if you know Florida men, even Florida women, even though they don't get the, as much hearsay or flack, just the same, or fucking people in Cali, like there's certain certain parts, there's a lot of crazy people and a lot of people who are struggling in certain ways. So they're just going to try and like get engaged, farm engagement. They're going to try and say just craziest stuff because that's what, that's how they get big. And it's like, Sure, there might be some semblance of a reality to it. Like, um, <laughs> Fit is a perfect example. And I even, I remember there's this one guy, the 285 Slim on Twitter. Um, he was all like, I've never met a girl that from Miami that wasn't basically a prostitute. And that's where, they, that's where they're stationed. So when they're saying a lot of that, like, crazy stuff about women, crazy stuff and all that, you got to keep in mind... I shit. One of them even got caught buying a sugar baby, and then lying on the podcast saying they just met normally on a yacht. I met her on a yacht, and we just kind of hit her all, hit it off. Much less we actually find out this nigga was sending payments. What was it? It was the it was the fresh guy, the fat ugly nigga. It's true. I mean, my look. In my opinion, I don't think Myron like that either. But hey. Which is funny. That nigga is fit, quote unquote. That nigga look like a stick. Like, just say you skinny, dog. It's crazy. It's it's cool. It makes sense. A lot of East Africans are skinny. Like it makes sense. Y'all niggas is good track runners. Shit. I went to I went with the homies to Philadelphia. 
We went up, we went running. Everybody got time to set me. I don't got the knees for that shit. My knee is hurting kind of now. I don't got the knees for it. But um, you know, we're run. I timed the homies running up the rocky stairs. <laughs> Lo and behold, the shortest guy, the East African, was the one that won. <laughs> it's not racist if it's a good stereotype, right? The Asians like actually get mad if you say like, "Are you good at math or some shit?" <laughs> like, I don't know. Me personally, what's a good black stereotype? Athletic? Yeah, I don't hate that one. I will say the 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 big dick one that that's that's sexual harassment. So <laughs> I'm not all for that one. Like, while I I appreciate the sentiment, I still I'm still gonna look at you a little bit weird for dick watching. And I've always felt that way. Dog. Freshman year and even some sort of some portions of like high school, but especially freshman year, those the that that shit's low-key leaning on it. Like it's cool if you're making it for a joke, but it was and it, it look, and it was mostly my niggas that were talking about it. Like the niggas that were talking about it as a joke. Still slightly dick watching. But it's fine. Jokey jokes. I'm I'm cool with that. But like Some girls made it seem like that was a personality trait that they would just, they had to get in on. Or, so, or like they had to like, like, at least don't mention that shit to me. You don't think that's, you think that's a little bit strange? Tell me that y'all, y'all been dick watching? Saying that, oh, I can just tell he has a big dick. You don't think that's a little bit, a little strange? To be fair, to be fair for the last person, that last girl, she didn't tell me directly that. She told somebody else. <laughs> That's why I ended up getting chased through the hallway that first like week or two, like mad early. I got chased through the hallway because that nigga told her that he was going to snitch on her. <laughs> so that nigga comes running out the fucking the study room. I just popped out the elevator just coming back from like the gym or from the food hall or some shit. One the fucking two. And then this this nigga just I see I see one white guy running towards me. I see a black after him. Ooh. Well, I don't know when my mic started having some issues and with the cutoff and whatnot. Give me a second, let me try and fix this a little bit. Alright, that should be a little bit better. I I hope. Is it still recording? Bet. But what was I saying? Um, one, uh, the girl, there was a white, Hello, hello. All right, cool. Basically, I was, I got out the, I don't even know exactly where this cut off, to be honest, but I'll finish wherever I think I was at. I got out the elevator, and this is before I even know, known brother like that. I get out the elevator, and girly had told uh, brother <laughs> that he, she figured that I had a big dick or whatever, and he was all like, as a joke, I guess, was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell him. Mind you, I'm not, I don't even know brother like that's 
so far. Like, so I hop out the elevator, coming back from most likely a gym run. I'm pretty sure it's either gym or food hall, but I'm pretty sure it was gym because especially first semester I was not eating at that joint that much. Really, when only when some somebody was invited me, but um. Basically, I'm there. She, um, he starts running after me. Like, basically, I get out the elevator. I'm a real, ni- I'm a real nigga. I'm not just gonna let somebody chase, or I'm not gonna just let somebody run after me. So I ran too. Like that don't make no sense to me. If I see somebody running after me, then there's either something wrong with something that's happening behind him, or that nigga coming to me, and I can't be caught getting kicked out within the- this early of the school year. I can't hit nobody. I figured, and then I find out a girl, a girl is chasing after him. So this nigga yelling after me, chasing after me. I'm like, fuck, I can't. My fucking card's in like my bag. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's Jim. So I knew I couldn't get it out. I had to run, get to the next stairwell, and just and then be like, what the fuck is going on? Later, I found out because she she had a hypothesis about my meat. And that nigga just wanted to tell me what her hypothesis was. He ended up telling me. Which is hilarious, though. <laughs> well, basically, all this to say, meat watching is crazy. When you, when you really think the younger years. <laughs> I feel like doing it, like doing it and talking about it now is, is ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. All right, let's get to the first real topic that will be covered, um, which is the Avatar, um, the last airbender, um, live action news. And I understand that maybe not a lot of you guys are known about Atla. <laughs> Atla. But it all, uh, it's an animated series so popularly animated, at least in the West, it's being it's been even considered to be an anime almost in um, terms of like how well it's liked. Basically, everything about it is great, but I still want to get into. Wow. So there is a Tumblr post about people talking about it. Then I want to read this variety article but i do want to read this tumblr post because it's very this is like the old stuff i guess and this is when i guess when people were really talking about it bat boy blog says are we going to talk about the sexism in avatar i'm going to start with getting a few things out of the way statements this is not canceling avatar the last airbender nick did that over 10 years ago joke i guess somebody named nick probably within the same like following um, I'm not sure, not say, I'm, sh- I am for sure not saying don't watch it or don't enjoy it or that you watching it like in a kid cartoon from the mid 2000s says anything, but stars on it, anything about you as a person. And two, I normally wouldn't have anything to say about this. I normally just leave it alone, but I've seen a lot of posts giving Avatar glowing reviews in terms of wonderful, important life lessons it shares and complex character development. And indeed I've seen very the seen the very issues I'm about to address being called good things. And while I love punishment and I am a and am a feminist, so here goes. There's just something about Azulas. Oh my gosh. Alright. So this Tumblr post, I guess, is like like can we not have a woman as a villain? 
like before I even start reading this section, are we not allowed to have a woman as a villain? Whatever. Okay, so season one main villain is Zuko. It's pushed onto the path of redemption towards the end of season one, start of season two. There's a tragic tragic backstory, a rough childhood to excuse his hunting our heroes, etc. So we have to replace him. If he's not going to be our bad guy, we replace him with his sister Azula. And this is where we start having our problems. Azula is pretty much every sexist stereotype of a woman in seeking power. She's cold, mean, manipulative. That's damn near most of the Fire Nation. She was taught that way. Whatever. Takes joy in emasculating any man. She took joy with attacking women too. If you remember the actual fucking island episode, but whatever. Lucky for you, and this is a cut from the manga or the uh, graphic novel. Lucky for you, your mother and fire sages pleaded with me to give you a chance. Azula, on the other hand, never needed that kind of luck. She was born lucky. You were lucky to be born. I, and again, I would argue it's this is actually in in shape with the idea that how you become raised is going to affect how you are when you become older. I would argue that if Zuko didn't have was a better fighter and all of that and didn't get raised basically by a soft uncle, Uncle Iroh's child out. Hey, yo, maybe we'll play Uncle Iroh by Toby Lou as well. That, that nigga unk for real. But it's just, this is just a, and this is what always bothers me about like these types of like, Things because it doesn't try and like actually dive into it. It just, hey, this is what it is, and this is why it's a, a sexist stereotype. I'm like, okay, whatever. Indeed, in season three, her mockery and emasculation of Zuko is part of what makes us sympathetic to to him. This is standard villain stuff, particularly standard for a lady villain, but not the heart of the moment. We see a lot of Zuko's relationship with his mother and also, yeah, and also the relationship with Azula, which sets up a dichotomy of how women are treated in the show. I'll give it, I'll give it that. To an extent, there is a large motion of sexism. However, with the idea that Azula was going to be made the Fire Lord, I would argue that uh, the Fire Nation, especially at that time, was not really particularly sexist, but more of just a power-type struggle, and it just... Turned out that way that most of the men were wore power type ones. Sigmund Freed came up with the idea of the Madonna whore complex, the idea that men see women one of two years, two ways. As saintly, caring, loving, pure mother, or as a whore, what? I think one can also put Madonna, Lady Macbeth, Jesus Christ. So now we're just like, now, so we take something that this nigga said, and then we want to change it up again and add and make it a different complex. So you shouldn't even, because this, now she says the Madonna Lady Macbeth complex, that women are either loving, nurturing, and selfless, or cold, harsh, and selfish. But what about the horror part? We don't care about that one anymore, what, what he actually was saying? Okay. Now, using this frame, we see Zuko and, Azul, and Azula's mother, Ursa. She is kind of loving, but also ineffective, not taking part in the politics or struggle. She, we see Azula from an early age draw to her father in male power. She repeatedly says herself that this is that for this she was a monster and her mother saw her that way. Which brings us to her gaining power 
as uh, as is often the case in sexist narratives. Okay, but if well, what what be the difference between a man trying to gain power, a man having trying to, like if you are, I would argue Zuko was the exact same way who wanted like especially in season one who wanted to seek validation from his father, especially after his mom left. It was just from other teachings. Like, literally, season two's betrayal, Zuko, that is literally Azula manipulating Zuko's want to be wanted and loved by his father. But as I was saying, whatever, I'll just keep reading, which brings us to her gaining power often. Say, father steps off to become the empire of the world. Gives her a breadcrumb. Okay, I guess. Just a breadcrumb. Which is where sexism goes right off the wheels after power azula's womanly emotions are just too much for her she goes i would just argue that it's crazy to me that like every time i i feel like these feminists are more are more sexist than these authors and these creators that <laughs> and it's always crazy to me because you determining that She's going, she's just going crazy, and it's her womanly emotions. Kind of nuts. And, like, the best, like, at most, the only leeway I give to you would be, like, the Little Island episode, which they end up all fucking up, the people on the island, because all of the people, like, there was a lot of emotions in general for almost everybody on the island. There are people. like read anything up past their quote-unquote feminist literatures because i have read so many books where it's like women who gain power are not and multiple where it's just like not women who gain power women who want power want it for various reasons the reason that that was stated of her wanting power from the get-go was always cracked it was always off even though, even the fact that her, like, the way that she, like, practiced, the fact that her fire was blue because of, and it was because of her rampant um, practice of lightning and the lightning attacks. And one of the reasons why fucking Iroh didn't want, really care for Zuko to use it. Like, there's a lot more, like, evidence in the narratives for this. And I would also argue that we also see a lot more of Azula in the latter books. So we learn a lot more of her character in the latter books. Particularly given her slide into the top, almost com comical paranoia, complete with ghosts and delusions, is also close to what happens to Lady Macbeth herself, yes. Usually, it happens to multiple people, bro. Oh my gosh. Like, that is a popular trope for crazy people. I, I, I would actually um, argue... Because does she have an issue with Jinx from the League of Legends show? Um, I, I, I recently well, I recently rewatched the video, but I recently watched the video because I love watching videos against uh, about narratives. But they were arguing the parallels between 
Jinx's uh, fall to insanity towards, um, who is it? Daenerys' fall to insanity um, at the later parts of King uh, Game of Thrones. I haven't even finished Game of Thrones. But were, he, and he was basically talking about how he wanted, how he would have fixed it based off of the or a few standard rules that should come with it. And I would argue that Avatar's, let me, let me just, let me look at this, this up real quick. So, yeah, because no, I'm not just fucking capping. Fall, let me, I ain't looking my history to Cuck Award, Jesus Christ, it's Adam 22, nigga. And San, put in the wrong one. Insanity. Zombie arc, uh, Reverend Insanity. Oh, how not to write madness. Arc versus game. This is by Skinny. I don't really know how to pronounce him. Let me see. And he also like does the hobbies one too, which is also like a crazed, deranged one and how the ring kind of does that. So question. All right. I don't know why, but I can't pause on my recording anymore. So we're just going to have to see how this goes. This is probably going to be a late episode because of interruptions and shit like that. But fuck it. We're here. We're just going to fucking move on. Rule three, Mad World breeds conflict. Or world of paradoxes where she's struggling between those two worlds. Rule four. Five. I'm pretty sure rule five was the burn it all down moment. Rules, the Hitler rule is crazy. But yeah, essentially, there's so many, there's like, I want to say he gave like seven, like 10 rules max. I don't think there's like more than 10. Yeah, he gave 10 rules and oh, there's a list at the end. Thank you. All right, so how to write madness, externalization, mad identity, conflicting worlds, paradoxes, build up, positivity, grief trigger, inception point, spiritual deterioration, which was literally what... The, the scene that this person was talking about, the literal spiritual deterioration, and then moment of agency. Which brings us to the final bat, especially when you have to consider that her friends betrayed her. The only people that she has ever trusted, like almost fully in the world, both betrayed her. One of them, to be fairness, like if you want to say she's the sexist idea or trope, even though I would argue that she isn't, and she actually talks about not being like that sexist trope, uh, Zuko's wife, Mai. And then, what you call it, Tai Lee only stops Azula because Azula was going to kill Mai. <laughs> or heavily put hurt Mai. And he didn't, she didn't want to see that, so Tai Lee did that. Because she, she saw Azula was going mad. And after that, it, it's like, oh, well, it's whatever. Which brings us to the final battle, which she just skipped a whole, this person, not she, not he, maybe they, they skipped an entire portion, which brings us to the final battle. Azula's embodiment of unnatural fem, female power, power taking on the male role has driven her mad. 
with her out of control woman emotions. <laughs> well, it won't be Zuko as he's not her thematic opposite. This is not a battle between honor and dishonor, but between two visions in the female role. Enter Katara. In the jump, Katara's water, element really in life, nurturing our needs. She's given healing abilities. Now I could go three seasons worth of examples of her kind, good listener, being supportive and sweet character. However, Avatar wanted to make sure you didn't miss it. So in season three, they do a whole episode how Katara is everyone's mom. Katara's own brother, Sokka, declares that he can no longer remember their mother's face and only sees Katara when she thinks of mom rather than be the bad thing that her older brother sees her as his mom is held up as a good thing. Katara's mom. Remember what I said? Madonna, Lady Macbeth. Well, here's our Madonna's, everybody's mom, caring, kind, putting others first. He's a mirror of Azula, selfish. Look, I'm not even a Katara hater. But why are we really hyping Katara up like that? She's definitely shown her shares of selfishness plenty of times in the show. She's definitely showed her like uncaring nature towards everybody else's plot. Like, what are we talking about? Yes, Sokka, a literal man child from the beginning who was getting his kicks literally off of being with or off of teaching kids in the beginning how to quote-unquote be a man in his eye because there were not many men in his village. Like this, and this is why I'm saying like the unfairness of like the categorizations of it all is just nasty to me. And it's always, and it's, I did this, so I, did, I did a similar thing when I was talking about the fucking Elden Ring stuff where it's like, look, if you guys want to say you guys don't understand stories and that you got everything that you see in your lens has to be in, in like this sexist thing, then maybe you're the sexist one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to get to the actual like T Netflix live action avatar series took out how sexist Sokka was in the original. A lot of moments in the anime show was iffy. Now, mind you, I don't think this is going to get past book one, but like I fucking said, this nigga Sokka is supposed to be a man. It's not even supposed to be how old uh, is this nigga even older than like 16? You see, Sokka's age at the start of 15 years old. We're saying basically a freshman in high school. And even originally, according to this, he was originally conceived as being 13 years old, but was aged up during the show's early development. Jesus Christ. Mind you, let me see. Avatars. Um, author walks away from live action. That's what I've heard. I haven't. Avatar The Last Airbender Creators. And this is in 2020. So this is why these niggas get the fucking boldness to actually do this. I didn't know that this, way earlier, the creators walk away from the live action Netflix series that early on. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. Like, Oda put his stamp on One Piece. One Piece is literally, to this day, the only good live action. <laughs> I don't even think One Piece is great. But for what they had to do, they had to shorten the series... 
they went through they went through their budget within those for the those episodes that aired so they didn't do all those other episodes but they went through their budget like this is what i'm saying when you have like some like a strong thing but oh my god just days before avatar the last airbender sequel series made its debut on netflix the happy union between avatar fans and the streaming service was shattered in separate statements the Martano and Corzico announced that quit the show in June over concerns of creative integrity. Let's now. I'm not even gonna go into that. I want I want all of you guys to go and do that. But imagine people taking your work, telling you that even though it is a super duper popular series, even though so many people loved knowing about the about it, so many people loved it. Like, kids to adults alike, they're telling you that you should change it because of how they see it, even though it is the most well-beloved series. One of the most well-beloved series on that aired on Nick. And Nick has its fucking staples. But anyways, when Avatar Last Airbender made its live-action debut on, debut on Netflix next month, Sokka's sexism will be turned down, toned down considerably. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, a cast member... Um, Kia Wentia, Qatar, and Ian Osley, Osley, Sokka informed fans that Sokka's sexism was discussed during the live-action show development with delivery cut away at, as it has no place in the new remake. The more weight with realism in every way, which promoted um, them to say, I feel like we took out the element of how sexist Sokka was, a 15-year-old, and he wasn't even that, it wasn't like he was saying like crazy things, like super duper crazy things that like are so wild. Nah, he was just saying, look, I'm the man, you have to, you, we shouldn't do that. We should be safe. We should just go and all that. That's basically the like extent of it. And then literally her blow up moment with house, like literally within the first episode, her blow up moment is how they found Aang. Her blowing up on Sokka for his quote unquote sexism. I feel like we took out the element of how sexist Sokka was. I feel like there's a lot of moments in original of the show that were iffy. Yeah, I totally honestly agreed. There was things that were redirected just because it might play a little differently in live action. Their entire Reddit threads um, about Sokka's sexism, just how the, the original Sokka, part to his character journey, which is literally the point of his character journey, he is the weakest person in the Avatar crew. He literally doesn't even get a sword, an actual sword, until the last fucking joint. Would make remarks, girls are better at fixing pants than guys, and guys are better at hunting and fighting. Sokka's sexism wouldn't be the only difference Avatar fans see in Netflix's last Airbender show. Showrunner Albert Kim previously said the show does not begin the same way. Yeah, no, obviously, because it can't. The live-action series will also show the genocide of airbender people and the rise of the Fire Nation, which was alluded to the animated series. This was a consensus decision to show people that this is not the animated series. And this is what I'm saying. That is fine. It doesn't have to be the animated series. I wasn't mad at One Piece being the animated series. I just want you guys to give the creators the ability to choose how they want their art to be in this way actually better show writers people who actually have success instead of you niggas who are trying to piggyback off of them
That doesn't seem disgusting. You would have to be an idiot to not be intimidated. Two years of voting the live action adaptation on Netflix before they shocked fans by announcing their exit. This is talking about the Raiders. Uh, due to Entertainment Weekly, that is absolutely daunting to stick with the show without them. Mm hmm. An idiot to not be. Like, why don't you just make your own IP? Literally, you can do that within the Avatar stuff. That's what Cora was. Like, this, and this is what really bothers me. Why all these niggas just can't make their own IPs? Why do you always have to try and ruin shit that... I 100% think you handicap it when you do things like this. I have to be an idiot not to be intimidated a little bit. My first reaction, hell yeah, was holy shit, do I really want to do this? Oh, wow, wait. My first reaction after hell yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fucking crazy? Hell yeah. Still another... Let me stop. Was holy shit, do I really want to do this? Is there... A way to improve upon the original. Whether you tackle something that's ready to be loved by millions of fans, you have to ask yourself these questions. And then I seen another one, and I didn't even see the article. I, don't, I didn't see the article or this one either. But they're saying that they want it to be a Game of Thrones thing. Sorry, the last Airbender series is, is hoping to appeal to Game of Thrones fans. And the big quote that they took out of it is, it couldn't just be for kids. Which automatically, I know people, like literally, well, the person who I was talking to this about, like the most, I would say, she told me that her mom and dad watched it more uh, as of recently, and they loved it. So it didn't just appeal to adults. When I was watching it, I had an older brother that was four years older than me. He liked it. So it didn't just appeal to young kids. Avatar The Last Airbender showrunner says they purposely set out to please fans of the original Netflix uh, Nickelodeon series when making the Netflix adaptation and, well, people who love Game of Thrones too. Head of the new outings released later this month, Albert Kim described the live-action show as a remix, not a cover, and that the team knew going in that it couldn't just be for kids. Season 2 and 3 are a lot more mature in theme than, say, Season 1 was. He recalled the cartoon in a recent interview. So for us, it was about striking that right balance and making sure you were true to the DNA of the original, but at the same time, we had to make it a serialized Netflix drama. Did you? Did you have to make it a serialized Netflix drama? What are the most memorable Netflix dramas that people care about? Niggas binge Netflix shows. Niggas don't respect it. Niggas don't really go back and re-watch them. Also had the appeal, had to appeal to the people who were big fans of Game of Thrones. So it had to, why did it have to? Why? Jesus fucking Christ, bro. Oh my lord. Why? They're not they don't say why.
So it had to feel more feel grounded and mature and adult in that way too. These are kids. The cr- Avatar crew were kids. Korra was a, a more adult centric show. What are you talking about, bro? It comes down to hitting the tone. I mean, we have the script and then we're on set and it's like, let's do this version. And then like, okay, let's do sillier. Let's go even sillier. Okay, and let's pull it back. Says the director, Jabbar Raisani. Should we just make sure we had options that we could really choose from in a range of post-production? Like, oh no, now we have this one. This is way too silly. That's our only choice. So what do we do? So protecting yourself... Make sure you can shape the tone. Starring Gordon Cormer as a titular hero alongside Elizabeth Yu and Daniel Dai Kim, the show follows 12-year-old Aang as he, mind you, 12-year-old, as he learns to master all four elements. Alongside his newfound friend Sokka and Katara, who... just so happens to be members of the Southern Wagga tribe, the youngster enlists to help with all kinds of allies and colorful characters on his fantastical, action-packed quest. And this is just going to be my end of it. The po- One of the great things about Avatar is that all, like, literally, I don't know. I seen this one tweet and it was uh well favorite characters Toph then Aang and then between Zuko and Katara whatever I don't know what cut off but I know that um and then like my friend said my friend said her mom's favorite character was actually Katara so <laughs> oh not Katara was Sokka so that's it's such a dumb thing where it's like we don't expect any growth from these characters at these ages, 12, 13, 15. We expect them to be fully mature human beings with no character flaws, with nothing. And like the thing with Toph was that like the reason why I gravitate is because she had a disability, but she was OD strong. She was always about that fucking work. And like this. The sacrifices that, like, Toph had to make as a character, for example, when Appa was taken, but she had to sit there and, sac- and like, dog, that I'm sorry, buddy scene. It's just, it's just really, dis- it, like, it's really in, not, like, it's not genuine to me, like, when, you do, when people do this. I, I really hate it for, like, the creators, really, when this happens the most. But I'm going to stop talking about it. Penguin Zero Zero also made a video on it. I haven't watched this video. If anything, we can like take a small dive into the clip. Zero. Um, let me see. Videos. So, right here. And I'll let it, I'm not going to let his entire play because he does like, draw things out a little bit. Literally. 
Literally. Wait, 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 wait. Y'all can't hear him. He said Avatar The Last Airbender is one of the most cherished cartoons ever. It's literally known to be a masterpiece. And it's just and like I didn't even know then these niggas walked away. Now that I know it's <laughs> Look, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that you guys should not watch it or whatever, because I'm pretty sure the the Do you also think of Game of Thrones? I imagine for all of you with a functioning frontal lobe, the answer to that question is a resounding no. Which means you are not a showrunner for the live-action Netflix adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender because for some reason, these absolute goofball-brained goobers think that they needed to change the show around to appeal to a Game of Thrones audience for some reason. I don't even think it's necessary to even entertain that delusion but i'll do it briefly why let's just hello 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 all right yeah they don't say why actually it's the same article i read they don't say why they did it. They just say, nah, this is what we're going to do now. It's just crazy to me. <sighs> just state little the bit obvious more. here. Avatar aired on Nickelodeon. It's a cartoon. That is... And look, I think you can even, like, make the tone... Like, the tone for One Piece was more serious. But they still, they still made it so, like, it was still watchable for kids. I think Game of Thrones is watchable for kids. The first scene of Game of Thrones is literally, or not the first scene, but one of the biggest scenes in the first episodes is literally incest. And this is what bothers me, because it's like, if you only saw Avatar as solely a kid's show, I don't think you should have been the one directing it. But we're done. We're moving on from this conversation. I'll, I'm going to skip minutes in. Uh, what like else does he have to say? The trailer that dropped for the Avatar series, and like I said, visually, I think it looks pretty good, and I had yeah. somewhat of an optimistic outlook on it, but I, I had to mention that I was still very skeptical because the creators of Avatar walked away from this Netflix adaptation quite a while ago, stating creative differences. So the actual creators that put together this masterpiece left it because they didn't like the direction it was going. And now, as it gets closer to, to release, it comes out at the end of this month, it's pretty clear why they left. It's because they're changing all of the most important fundamental aspects of Avatar. It's very clear why the creators would have abandoned this pile of shit. It's not looking good. Visually, it's certainly better than M. Night Shyamalan's Sin from 2010 with the... And that's the other issue. I Like, niggas are gonna try and compare it to ass. You're gonna sit here and try and say... This is good because it's not the ass that it was before. And this is the argument I'd be having with other people about other stuff where it's like, look, I get it. Like if they made a new Dragon Ball fucking movie and then it was just like the other one was literally a one out of 10. Just be uh, one is, is, is giving it its grace. And then they, if they gave me a four out of 10, I would still be upset. This is maxing out to be probably a six. Like, 
you would have to be damn near perfect. Mind you, the guy who wrote the books was in the work, was working with the Game of Thrones niggas. It wasn't just them. And guess what? They had that, they basically did that final season mostly by themselves because they didn't have the book, they didn't have the book to script it all for them. And niggas didn't like the last season of Game of Thrones. That's all I'm going to say on that. <clears throat> um, Let's talk about the all-star teams, all-star snubs, and then we will get to... Um, I guess first thing for sure is that, um, they changed the way they're doing it this year. Like they used to do the like drafts, as you guys might've known, where it's like somebody's a captain and then they start drafting and then they changed it, which I thought was weird because I enjoyed the draft. I thought like the draft was like very much a lot of people's favorite. There's plenty of memes and stuff that came from it. So I think it's weird that they did it like that. But um, we'll go through this. Then we're gonna talk about the we're gonna talk about coaching a little bit, and we're done coaching. We're gonna talk about most of the Bucks and the Lakers. But funny enough, the two all the two All Star captains for the East and the West, LeBron and Giannis. So, well, East Giannis, West LeBron. Um, I'm gonna first go through the Eastern starters and reserves, then I'll talk about the Western. And we'll go from there. So, starters for the East. Giannis Antetokounmpo, forward. Joel Embiid, center slash forward. Tyrese Halliburton, guard. Damian Lillard, guard. Jason Tatum, forward slash guard. <clears throat> Reserves. Ben Matabayo, center slash forward. Pablo Bencaro, forward. Jalen Brown, guard slash forward. Jalen uh, Brunson, guard. Tyrese Halliburton, guard. Donovan Mitchell, guard, and Julius Randle, forward slash center. For the West, LeBron, forward, Luka, forward slash guard, Kevin Durant, forward, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, guard, center, Nikola Jokic. Western Conference Reserves, Devin Booker, guard, Stephen Curry, guard, Anthony Davis, forward slash center, Anthony Edwards, guard, Paul George, forward, Kawhi Leonard, forward, Carl Anthony Towns, center slash forward. Now, going from the East, I will immediately say I don't think Damian Lillard should have been a starter, possibly, possibly. Oh, in the East, in the East, I would argue he might not be. Well, in the East, he he probably is a reserve. If we're looking through, and I'll just I'm just really gonna go by the teams. If we go by the standings for the East, Celtics they basically got all theirs. Cavaliers Garland has not been playing that well in the beginning of the year, so I can definitely understand that he's basically in that similar boat as Damian Lillard. Knicks, Jalen Brunson should have been a starter in my I would have chosen Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell to be the starter, in my opinion. 
Shoot, I would have chosen Tyrese Maxey to be the starter over Damian Lillard. His numbers are better, and I'm pretty sure his efficiency is better. I think slightly the um he's a little bit lower on assist. Oh, and rebounds, but all right. But his efficiency, I'm pretty sure, is a lot better. But whatever. Um, there's a Cavalier. 76ers fell. Wow. I didn't even really notice, but uh well, a lot of the East are really close in the standings, to be fair. But um Cavaliers really only put choose Donovan Mitchell, Knicks, Jalen Brunson only. Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers, Tyrese Maxey on the 76ers. Yeah, I would argue they probably got, they got all the right names on the East. Trey Young, low-key, over Jalen Brown. Trey Young, low-key, over Julius Randle for sure, but that's a forward spot, so I'm not going to be too mad at that. Jalen Brown, I mean, Trey Young over Damian Lillard as well. That would have been, Trey Young is the only snub in my opinion. Because after that, yeah, there's not really anybody else that I would consider a snub. Anyways. Especially when you consider team standings, and that's the issue with Trey Young, his team standings. But that's not solely due to him. In all fairness for Trey Young. And I'm not I'm a Trey Young like not big advocate. In fact, I would argue that I I think Trey Young, unless he can be unless Trey Young can be taken to an automatic contender, I think Trey Young needs to be I think he should be and literally, I'd only trade into the Pistons if they're able to get that generational center. Um, and that center has to be good on defense. I don't want to just say another Jer- uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I need like someone who's a staple, who's going to be completely a staple on defense. Like Victor, like the other center is looking like another Victor, possibly, but not as talented. I would prefer just a law a. a Rudy Gobert, except better, and possibly a post game where he can just catch a lot. He can he can destroy mismatches, and he can play off and set great. Basically, a Derek Lively plus. That's all I really need. That's all I think is needed. And then you just put shooters around Trey Young and Cade, shooters and defenders, and you should be good. I think Cade can play that shooting guard spot and is in fact is good. And I think Detroit has the pieces to trade for Trey Young. If they especially I would definitely get rid of Durin if you're gonna get a new center. I would um be I would definitely get rid of Ivy if you're getting like those are definitely the pieces who I'd give away. Um, that's, that's a whole other topic for its own other thing. I was to a pistol. Specifically about that. But yeah, East isn't too bad. There's only one snub. 
And I would definitely put Trey Young over Damian Lillard, even if Damian Lillard was in the reserves. And I would put Trey Young over Jalen Brown. I feel like it, it's really between. I would have taken out if I'm taking out Jalen Brown and Damian Lillard is between them two for and they should have been the ones that, that are fighting for their spots. And I am a big Jalen Brown fan. However, there are games where it doesn't feel like he. Sh- it's, it feels like nobody's percent coming and showing up consistently, except maybe can Porzingis, which. I would if if he could only take two people from the Celtics, I might have put Porzingis instead of Jalen Brown. But again, I would have just taken out Julius Randle. <clears throat> if we're going from the West, LeBron All Star starter is kind of possibly popularity voting, as you can definitely notice that there is a bit of a regression. However, I don't hate it especially since a lot of people get legacy stuff, and I still think he was playing to a reserve caliber. I would say if you want to, I would have given Anthony Davis the spot over him. Um, Luka makes like more than enough sense. He's almost averaging a 35-point triple-double. Kevin Durant, 28 Set uh, 5.7 and 6.3. Makes sense. Can't hate it. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 31, 6, and 5.7, which is basically 6. Nikola Jokic, 26, 9, and 12, with obviously usually great efficiency. And then the reserves. Like, I felt like they got everything right. I don't think Steph Curry deserved to be a starter this year just because of efficiency and then, like, Team-wise and record and everything, since they do take that into account. Devin Booker, yes, makes sense that he made the team, even though he did miss a little bit of games. I don't, I'm not hating it. If I'm looking on the West side, let me put it on the West so I can see that too. I think Anthony Edwards makes sense that he makes it. I do think that's a little bit of popularity, but in terms of like everything, he's the leader of the Timberwolves in a sense, and makes sense that he got the All-Star nod. don't know about whether I'm ch- I would have chosen both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard but it's hard to have one without the other cuz you could really argue that Paul George might deserve it over Kawhi or you could argue Kawhi might deserve it over Paul George and it's really just based off of what you felt were the best and more important of the recent stretches of stretches of games that they've each had but I don't think I'm mad at the West All-Star team particularly either I will say I know and let me see Lowe's points were mostly um Trey Young and Fox according to his thumbnail and I've seen mostly people have some issues with Fox the only guards I might have Fox over and I'm just not looking at the stats maybe Steph Curry maybe I don't even know about Steph Curry but maybe Devin Booker Maybe Anthony Edwards, but I don't know if I would give him. It's hard to give them the nod over Ant, uh, to be fair. But if we look at what De'Aaron Fox is averaging this year, he is averaging 27, 4, and 5, while Ant is averaging 25, 5, and 5. 
Um, let me also pull up Anthony Edwards' uh, statistics too to be a little bit more fair because I also want to um, judge partially by consistency. Or not consistency, but um, I also think Ant is a better defender, so let's also be a little bit fair on offensive numbers if we're going to be considering Ant as a defender. But even then, I understand it. Anthony Edwards didn't play in the most recent game where they lost to the Magic. So I gotta. Go to Ant's most recent game against the Thunder where he won. And it was a. Like. Rivalry esque matchup. Between Ant and Shea. But Anthony Edwards. Is averaging 25s. He has a higher field. No. All right, so higher field goal percentage, but that's or higher three point percentage, but that's literally like on the margins. Um, so I don't hate if people want to have him over Ant. I wouldn't do it. Maybe over Steph. Let, let's look at Steph and Curry, and then Devin Booker. Stephen Curry, 28, a lower field goal percentage than both Ant and them, but a higher three-point percentage. And he's doing and he's doing about the same in terms of like other statistics as Fox, four and five. So Steph Curry, I can easily see why people put him ahead. He's averaging more points on basically relatively the same or or and or better efficiency if you really think about it Steph Curry is still shooting 40% from three and he is definitely carrying a higher load so the last one I would tend to compare is Devin Booker he's averaging 27 50% from field goal so higher field goal and slightly higher percent from three Averaging a lot more assists and a lot more, um, or in slightly, basically equal rebounds. He's averaging seven assists for people who didn't know. Um, let's look. Devin Booker games played this season. He's played 41 games so far. Surprisingly, I'll be honest. I thought he missed, like, how many games, how far are they into the season? Hmm. But he's played 41 games. De'Aaron Fox games played huh, this season. 42. So De'Aaron Fox has basically played one more game. So is De'Aaron Fox a snub or was the all or was the guard positioning very stiff this year? Because I don't think he's better than Shea or Luka. I don't think he's better than Devin Booker or Steph Curry. So the only argument was Anthony Edwards. And or if you wanted to take off that center spot. Because I don't know exactly if Cat is even the next bet center slash forward. I'd have to go through the West, but I don't... Yeah, no. I, maybe he is if you go through the West. So, like, literally, the only the only person who I would think Fox beats out is Cat. 
However, that's not the position. So let me see. Thunder. If you want to argue, Chet, maybe I wouldn't. Uh, not this year, anyways. I think he's still like he's not point wise. Maybe defensively he's better, but Timberwolves, yeah, that's Cat. Zubak, no. Nuggets, they already have Jokic. Kings, Sabonis. I don't know how good Sabonis has been doing this year. Suns, Nurkic, no. Zion, no, not their center either. Derek Lively, no, or any of their forwards. Lakers, they already have Anthony Davis. Jazz, Rocket, like so. What is it? Sangoon might have been a better choice. Maybe. If we look at Alfred Sengun, what is his numbers this year? He's averaging, no, because his three-point percentage is so bad that it's probably not going to be that way. Yeah, and his numbers aren't all even as high as, like, Cat's, so. Yeah, Cat is the best choice. We'll watch a little bit of the, uh, Lowe's video, Legend of Winning, uh, on his new channel, The Low Post, where he has a little bit more NBA tape. So last night we had the NBA All-Star Reserves that were revealed, and of course, people are going to make a big deal of it, but before we get into that, let's just go over the people first. Eastern Conference, we have Jalen Brown from the ball. Uh, I already went over them, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Of his shots, uh, one of the best offensive college. He's talking about Trey Young right now. Is amazing. One now, of the best. They are at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I think that's probably the biggest reason why they were not able to make the All Star. At least, um, that's something that's the biggest reason why Trey Young was not able to make the All Star game. But I, I feel like out of everybody who's in there, just to be honest with you guys, Paolo has to be the one that's the most questionable because I think Tyrese he deserves it. No, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I can agree that Paolo might be the most questionable. Um, I don't even know how good his defense is for it, but huge on Max. I think Maxi deserves it. Maxi's going out there. Yeah, Maxi, hundred percent deserves it. Having a career year breakout, it is he's deserving of an All Star. Bam representing the Miami Heat because Butler isn't going to be there. A lot of people want to ask about Randall. Two New York Knicks players is kind of you know, but I do love the fact that Jalen Brunson's getting his you know his uh, love and stuff like that. But Paolo in there except for Trey, I think that's probably the biggest one. But that right there, for the most part, I feel pretty confident about that. That this they, they got it right. I think they got it right for the most part. And then yeah, I don't hate flip it. Flip side, Western Conference All Stars, and this is where a lot more conversation to snuff. And I don't even, and again, at most you're saying it's one miss. That right there was interesting, but more I don't even believe that I was thrown a back by. Because putting Towns in the All-Star game, when I don't even believe he's the second best player on the team, I think that's Rudy Gobert. That right there was interesting, but more importantly. And that's where I'm like, all right, but All-Star game, unfortunately, there's also the allure. They want to see more offense. Rudy Gobert just wasn't the best fit for it, so I don't blame them for that. I also don't think Cat is the second best player, arguably, on that team either. But he's the second best offensive option, quote unquote. So the biggest snubs on both Especially since he dropped that, sixty. The Sacramento Kings, playoff team, out there playing hard, twenty seven and nineteen. Oh, I didn't look at Sabonis' numbers. Sabonis. I actually did not look at Sabonis' numbers. Nineteen. Oh, and he's shooting great from three. Forty three point four percent from three. It's really just that his numbers are probably down, I would say. Eight assists, 13 rebounds. You might have had him over a cat because as a rebounder and the three-point shot isn't isn't actually as far at all. And it's only a three-point difference. 
Let me see. Carl Anthony Towns, 51, he's averaging 22 points, 51% from the field goal, 43% from three, eight rebounds, and three assists. Sabonis, so 19 points, but 61.9% from the field goal range, 43% from three points. So three-pointers might be negligible, even though I would say Cat does shoot more. But either way, if he's getting his points, he's getting his points. Eight or 13 rebounds, which is more than Cat's eight, and eight assists, which is more than Cat's three. You might argue that Sabonis is actually a better defender than Cat. Might be able to argue that. One of the best offensive units in the NBA, and they have not one but two all-star caliber players in both De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, and neither one of them made the game. Neither one of them are all-stars this year. I think that's definitely questionable. De'Aaron Fox averaging 27 points, five assists. I think De'Aaron Fox definitely has it. Percent from the field, 38 percent from behind the arc, and then Sabonis is giving you uh, 20 and 13. I think he's leading the league in rebounds this year, 62 percent from the field. Neither one of them not being in the All-Star game is certainly cause for a lot of questions. Uh, a lot of people are, are up in arms about this. Breaking news, though, however, because both Randall and and Joel Embiid, and please get back soon, brothers. Get get back healthy soon, bro. We, we especially Embiid. He's in, he's yeah, especially game. Embiid, bro. Both of these players have been out. They're not gonna be healthy. Embiid is dealing with a knee problem. He's more than likely gonna miss the All Star game because it's right around the corner. Yep. And so Sabonis is going to be. Games ago, dislocated his old arm, so he's gonna be out as well. A lot of people are then asking the question, who are going to replace them? We have Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Porzingis, Jared Allen, and Derek White. Now, I think pretty obvious. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Now this is why I think it's nasty. I I get Trey Young. I get Porzingis. I get Butler, but the, the fact that, okay, those are East. Oh, you can only choose. But um, the other selection, I don't know. If they feel it necessary to replace a front court player with another front court player, then that kind of leaves us with Jared Allen, Porzingis, um, depending on how they view Jimmy Butler, also Jimmy Butler as well. So that will be up uh, for question. I think Jimmy's probably going to be the player that is going to be in that conversation. I see a <sighs> Toronto Raptor fan in the uh, chat saying Scotty Barnes. But I, I do believe that Trey Young, even though he didn't make it, even though he is someone that, you know, is a bit questionable what he I think I would force it. He should force it. So shout out to Trey Young. And then... Um, I think we, 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 it's going to be interesting to see who gets replaced. Adam Silver picks to replace Julius Randle or, or MBD. I think they should force Trey so, Young. Again, and I, very, very I would want to force. Exactly it means to be an like, if you want, I'll just at least do this, some bonus. Something else that has to be um, introduced. Shout out to Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam also not being an all-star. 22 points, um, six and a half rebounds, five assists. Pretty Jamal Murray is also an idea. Not making it this year, um, despite the fact he had it last season. 24 points, nine rebounds, two assists. This is another conversation piece as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, though. For the most part, I feel like they got it right. Shout out to uh, Wimbyama. Shout out to Wimbyama. Now, everyone else it's pretty self-explanatory pretty pretty self-explanatory man but for whatever reason people got to make things way more complicated than they need to be so uh our, our good friend let me see ESPN analyst insider amin also used to be uh, a lot of front office work out in phoenix he had a gripe with another name but it's not towns not randall it's actually a top 10 player let's see what he had to say why the f is anthony davis an all-star why is anthony davis an oh uh, yeah we're not doing this <laughs> this nigga said why is anthony davis an all-star are you dumb anthony davis Let's let's act. Let's go and read it off ourselves. All right. He's averaging about twenty-five points, fifty-five percent from the field goal, thirty percent from three. That's not the best, but twelve rebounds and three point seven assists with elite defensive player of the. We used to give Rudy Gobert All Stars nomination because he had defensive player of the year caliber defense. Anthony Davis is playing same with Draymond plus assists. But Anthony Davis is literally playing <laughs> defensive player of the year caliber defense. 
I'm not about to hear this. I'm not. Anthony Davis should have been a starter low-key over LeBron. I remember I heard this one uh, argument or topic, and it was all like, the only way the Lakers can win is if Anthony Davis is the best player. And that arguably, Anthony Davis is already the best player. He's just not consistently the best player. And the argument is that even on Anthony Davis' worst nights offensively, he is still defensive player of the year caliber player. However, he also has those nights offensively where he can be like where he is dominating, maybe unstoppable or even above average for his position. And when you keep that, those two in mind, as long as he's average, even average, you could argue he's already a better player than LeBron. If it's just him doing his average offense, which would be like 20, 22 points a game. Um, his average offense is still, what, what, keeping in mind his defensive player of the year, caliber defense, that is still better than a aging LeBron who can only really play scheme-like defense at this point. Um, obviously, he can like put it in, like he can put it in gear every now and then. And most, of, I would argue, most of his defense is mostly due to his intelligence and scheme at this point. Um, and then he he's, he has also lost a step offensively, to which he his offensive presence is not so dominating that he is he can mainly lead an offense. So in that terms, I don't I don't understand why people's hurt or dismay is there. Again, I would only argue like I think they got it pretty right. Pretty much right. Now we're gonna do coaching. It's not gonna be too in depth for the coaching. I just I didn't talk about the Giannis coaching situation, so I do want to. Okay. So, and I'm not going to go and, like, pull everything out and do all the reports and all the blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm also talking about the 65-game stuff. Ooh, do I want to? I'll I'll briefly talk about coaching. So, for the Giannis stuff, it was on the record that he he had the chance of getting Nick Nurse. But, okay, number one, I didn't think Coach Bud needed to be fired. I will say I have made the mistake of wanting Coach Bud's job during that initial playoff run where the Bucs won, won the championship because I felt that his offense was always lacking while his defense was always solid. However, I felt as though he just had great defensive players that it made it seem like the defense was better than it was. And I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't argue that it was purely scheme. And I felt like there have been instances where it's like, yo, sometimes, like especially against a against Jimmy Butler, for example, I want Giannis to defend Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is not a good shooter. Jimmy Butler, it, like if you unless you think that Giannis is gonna get into foul trouble, I would want I would want him on on him because Jimmy Butler against great guards, like even in these this past playoff run. He was, like, great defensive guards. He was cooking our guards. He was cooking the guards on the Celtics. I'm talking about our guards in that. He cooked Derek White. He was cooking Malcolm Brogdon before he got injured. He was cooking Marcus Martin in certain positions. 
So it makes sense that you put a longer, stronger defender on him, arguably. I don't know. Not all our forwards are stronger. But it makes more sense that you put a longer defender on him so he can't get those easy looks at the rim. So he has to actually play more on the perimeter. Because unless, like, unless, you, like, unless you don't believe in your defense enough to cover everybody else, and even then, I, even with Jimmy Butler's better shooting percentages, I would still let, it would still be easy for Giannis to sag off of him. I would still prefer that because if Jimmy Butler wants to beat us with catch and shoot three-pointers, that's fine with me. That is fine with me. If Jimmy Butler wants to try and like step into the two-point line, then if he doesn't want to shoot and he, he has to shoot a, a like that type of mid-ranger from the side, I don't think he can. I think he's more of a fit, fit um, he needs to get his feet under him. When he does the mid-range, he's got to do a little bit of shifting. It's like more of a fadeaway as than like really he's shooting pull-up two-pointers when he's already facing up to the basket. I don't think that's his game. Like, I didn't like the game plan um, from either teams, Bucks or fucking Celtics, um, when it came to Jimmy Butler. But, and even the Celtics, we low-key were getting bailed out because Jimmy got injured. He was fully healthy during that Bucks series. He was partially injured during that Knicks series, and he we almost got fucking walked by by him by them almost damn near a sweep as a Celtics. But again, that's besides the point. Ultimately, I didn't think Coach Bud needed his job gone because I didn't blame him for this playoff run, especially with Giannis getting injured, especially with some issues that happened with his family. I didn't think he was, like, to blame, per se. Um, and then they hired David Griffin, or what was uh, Bucks, Adrian Griffin. I didn't know too much about him. Apparently, he had already been in the organization. He had already been a coach. And Giannis, like, claimed for him. I was like, that's cool. Then they traded for Dame. I didn't hate the Dame trade. However, I was a little hesitant. But I thought it would be okay because I figured Middleton would have another year on him and he would be getting better. Middleton has not really been looking that much better, to be fair. Um, arguably, I would, I would want him to look, be to be looking the best defensively, not offensively. Um, I'd rather him put more of time to that because that's what the team needs. But eh. And then there was all this stuff where he's trying to do a more aggressive scheme, which is... Not really necessary when you have one of the best defenses. He wasn't hiding Damian Lillard for some reason, which I always think is dumb when teams don't try to hide their guards. Honestly, I would say, like, coach game planning, like, defensively, has taken a dip since COVID. Like, 2019 was the, like, best chess match between Nick Nurse and... um, What's his name? He's the general manager for the Celtics now. Brad Stevens, like thinking basketball, I've already continuously talked and raved on about how I love that episode and whatnot. But there's that. I don't know. It just seems a little bit like weird to me in totality, but eh, I can't control that. Moving past and then they fired him to hire Doc Rivers, who I'm 100% 100% critical of. He had the best team in the league when he won the championship, and he still struggled in some of those series. Talking about the old eight Celtics. 
never made it back. Or I think he did make it back, and then he lost. And it's after that, it's like, he, what does he have to show? He's had some of the most talented teams. Obviously, I'll give some of that to injury. But he's had some of the most talented leads, lead teams, and he's had and they he's had them lose in record fashion. And some of those a lot of those losses were obvious adjustment issues. A lot of those a lot of that is you're you're making your team lose confidence in you. It's not good when you say, Oh yeah. If he doesn't like how tight, if he doesn't, uh, when he came off the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi, and he said, Paul George, if Paul George doesn't like how I'm being, how he was being used, Ty Lue's on the bench with me. So he's going to have to get used to being used like that. And then they make it to the Western Conference Finals, something they never did in your tenure. There's some, there's been some arguments that he's had, like, especially with the Clippers, he had some general manager duties, and that could be some of the issues. I feel like the Clipper teams were good. Again, it's part of the coach, like especially head coaching. Like you can de- delegate or uh, delegate some of the adjustment, the game planning to other coaching, but especially the head coaches. One of the biggest things is managing egos and being able to keep your team accountable and keep them in it. Don't think Doc Rivers is really the best for that. And it felt like it's been, it was shown in none other than uh, Bucks losing. In a comeback victory for the Portland Trailblazers. That, and even on that, apparently Doc Rivers was giving Adrian Griffin tips while Adrian Griffin was coaching. Now, I'm not saying it's a sabotage job, but if this nigga can even help from outside, couldn't do any, couldn't have, couldn't do any about help from outside, I don't know what help, much more help he could have been. All right, now the next thing I want to talk about. Oh, we'll talk about the Lakers coach. Ham, as long as he has the players on his side, I don't I don't think he's bad. I feel like LeBron to an extent has had to be like the coach and the leader in a locker room in a lot of his career. So it's not terrible for him to be that. I do think that Ham's biggest issues is the weirdness with his rotation and his guys. And what has been pointed out is that it seems that Darvin Ham is using people, um, players that he's familiar with over players that he should be trying to develop. And cohesion with um, those. Torian Prince and um, somebody else when he was coaching the Hawks. Um which I don't think should be like, I'm okay with having like one like defender or like you're, you can have the best defender in there, but I do. I, I'm, I question why you wouldn't give more minutes. I question why Austin Reeves is doing good. Why you were so out ad- so quick to take him out the starting lineup and then not put him back in. And the same with D'Lo. And then he just mixed match. And granted, there were some injuries in the beginning of the year, but it was never to the extent where he should be trying to have, like, my would be, I would have Vando, LeBron, Anthony Davis, that would be the front court. Back court, I would prioritize shooting and I would just use Austin Reeves and D'Lo. Vando, and to a lesser extent, LeBron can guard, oh, I'm like, 
can get on some guards and some forwards. So I would argue D'Lo and Austin Reeves don't really have to focus on that. And what you're really wanting from them, and then you would also try and stagger their some minutes where LeBron isn't playing or some minutes where AD isn't playing. And then that's when you'd bring in additional defensive pieces while letting these guys primarily start running the show more and not just be spot-up shooters. You would let D'Lo and this backup center run pick and roll, or you would let D'Lo and the fucking and Vando with Rui run peak, pick and roll, and you could have Rui in there with D'Lo and and maybe and I wouldn't put Austin Reeves, Rui, and D'Lo in. I'd also I'll just put uh, Rui and D'Lo. I feel like that's a good one, or Austin Reeves and, D, and uh, Rui. And it's just like the, and then like Cam Reddish can, is more of a bench piece where you put in that in those bench lineups. I don't know why you'd start with him when he's not even shooting great from three. Torian Prince, I kind of understand just because his shooting percentages, but is his defense that is his defense good enough to warrant that then? If you're gonna put him in a lineup that are struggling defensively in certain aspects, I don't know. Um feel like that's all uh, for this episode. I will talk next episode with a 65 game limit. I will say briefly, don't have an issue for in terms of regular awards. I have more issue with it in terms of all NBA type stuff where is like more of a thing because I feel like that's more on ownership and whatnot if they want to give players the money, especially if the players have played deservingly so. And it is kind of a unworthy motivator for players to try and get that money, especially with the way some of these contracts are written up, uh, especially when you're coming off those rookie deals and whatnot. Because it's not just, oh, getting All-NBA at some point. It's getting All-NBA specifically the last year deals usually. But, hey, what can we do? Um, this is Just Talking Podcast. This is nah. We're checking out. That was the Just Talking Podcast.